Well, good morning, Hillside, and welcome. I am so glad you have connected with us online today. And uh, those of you who are connecting in person, too, so glad to see you. Um, happy birthday, Kay. Kay, 90, I can't believe it. I remember when you were just 70, and uh, I, I'm, we're just cheering you on and uh, grateful that you're part of our family. Um, I'm glad you're here for the series we're in today, everyone. Uh, God has a name where we, we are walking through Exodus uh, 34, verses 6 and 7. And we're picking up steam in the series, and it's going to be good. Before we get any further, why don't we recite together those two verses. Those of you can remember, let's uh, see if we can learn this. Uh, and I'm on the pressure point here, but I'm going to do it. The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands while forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. Again, may God bless the reading of his word. This morning, we're looking at the second character trait that God gives Moses when he reveals his name. He first is compassionate and gracious, and then he is slow to anger. This phrase in Hebrew is erek apayim, which literally translated is long nose. It means Exodus 34, 6 could be translated like this, the, the Lord Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God I am long of nose and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, in English, having a long nose means that you have the habit of lying. I mean, think Pinocchio. Every time he, you know, told a lie, his nose would extend, right? Uh, and and the, idea, the idea in Hebrew is that when you lose your temper, when you really get mad, your nose flares out. It flares wide. Think a bull that's snorting and angry. And so in Hebrew, being long-nosed means you actually have the habit of being patient. You're slow to get mad. According to the Proverbs, uh, a long nose is associated with wisdom and, and great understanding. And, and it characterizes a wine, wise person who's able to calm someone down from a quarrel. By, by contrast, those with a short nose are, you know, quick-tempered and impatient. They get angry quickly and easily. Raise your hand if you get angry quickly and easily. I see those hands. Proverbs 16 has this great wisdom. One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one who rules his spirit than one who captures a city. What the writer was saying is that someone who is slow to anger is actually a powerful person. You know, they're, they're able to rule over their own spirit, which means they have that wonderful thing called self-control. If you're slow to anger, it, it, means, it doesn't mean you don't have negative feelings. It just means that you don't let those negative feelings rule over you. They, they don't control you. So here's the basic idea when it comes to God. God is slow to anger, which means Yahweh does not fly off the handle. He doesn't, uh, you know, run out of the room slamming doors in a huff. 
He, he doesn't have temper tantrums. He's slow to get angry. Sometimes slow to anger has been translated as patient or, or long-suffering. The ancient Targum Greek paraphrase of the Hebrew scriptures, they translated Exodus 34 this way. They said, God is patient, the one who makes anger distant and compassion and brings compassion near. Isn't that good? I love that. Let me ask you, do you know someone who is slow to anger? So I was thinking about this. I, I thought of my dad. Uh, I, I think this was... One of his strengths, and I actually don't know that I inherited it from him, but uh, I was thinking back to the many ways my dad was slow to get angry. Uh, I was thinking of the ways I, uh, and the things that I did to my dad's car in my teenage years. You know, I, I went away to a youth weekend uh, one time, and uh, I got to take the family car, and while I was at this weekend, there was a lot of shenanigans going on, and somebody painted a, a big happy face with shaving cream on the back hood of our Ford Zephyr. By the way, that was not the pinnacle of automation. I, I got to say that, automobile engineering. And, and in some of that, so this, you've got this shaving cream face on the trunk of my dad's car, which turns out when it came off, it took the paint with it. And so we had this permanent happy face on the back of our car. And I, I just remember going home and embarrassed and... and feeling bad, and my dad's response was calm resolve. Even after he got the pill, bill to, to have it repainted. And I, I saw him practice kind of long suffering again and again as he raised this teenage guy. And because anger was kind of so out of character for my dad, when he did get angry, we actually paid attention. You, you couldn't tune him out in those moments and yet you paid attention because, for the most part, his anger seemed to be quite purposeful and, 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 and under control. That's, I, I think, a good image for me, at least, to, to help us get this idea of slow to anger. And you know what, folks? God is slow to get angry. I, I, know, I know there's many of us who've had that secret belief that we've had for a long time that God is easily angered, but that is not what God is like at all. God's nature is to be long-suffering and to be patient and slow to anger. Now, that all said, God does get angry, and sometimes he gets really angry. And we're going to look at this this morning because scriptures speak of God's anger or is wrath more than 600 times in Scripture. Consider Psalm 18, which depicts God's anger, saying, smoke poured from his nostrils. They really liked, by the way, their nose illustrations, didn't they? The earth trembled, it goes on to say, and quaked. They trembled because he was angry. You get glimpses of this anger throughout the Psalms and other Scriptures. Psalm 11 says, the Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked... Those who love violence, God hates with a passion. That doesn't sound good, does it? God, God hating with a passion. Um, we're like, isn't God love? Well, notice who God gets angry at, those he hates. It's those, it's the wicked, those who love violence. I, I've told many of you the story where 
one of my sons, when he was in like grade six, confessed to me on the way to school how he'd acquired the habit of, of bad language, you know, saying swear words with his friends. And he told me about this. And I could tell that part of my son's confession was this worry around what God would think about his bad words. And my answer to him was this. I said, yeah, that's, you know, it's not a great thing to swear. You know, I, I don't think so. But I went on to tell him, I said, you know, in scripture, God doesn't seem to get really, really upset about swearing. You know what God gets mad about, I said? He says, what? He says, when you mistreat people that he made and loves. It's when you treat people poorly. Injustice and slavery and violence. God gets mad about that stuff. You know, when you think about it, it'd be wrong not to get mad about some things that go on in the world. Think of a child abuser and just the horrific damage that that does to a a vulnerable one, or, or a scammer, you know, who through computer or telephone rips off an immigrant or an elderly person, or the terrorist who, who drives a truck through a crowd of pedestrians, or, or, or a government that has a policy of, of ethnic cleansing and genocide, or there's the child who's, who's sold into sex work by a parent or the company that in their their bottom line seeking and corner cutting they hire cheap slave labor or disregard the environment and the damage they're doing and and as we see these kind of things our response is and ought to be that's not right that's not how it's supposed to be that's not good and it's not John Mark Comer explains the logic of God's anger. He says this, he says, there's no secret plan behind all the injustice in the world. It's evil, plain and simple. Gods and and human beings are at war with Yahweh. Yes, Yahweh has a plan to work all this mess into good, but he still feels the pain of war. Remember, he says, I love this, He's, he's a person, not an idea, he has feelings, and he feels anger over the evil in the world. And he goes on to say, he says, there are times when the healthy, emotionally mature response to evil is anger. J.I. Packer, uh, in his book, Knowing God, uh, describes God's anger this way. He says, God's anger, God's wrath in the Bible is never the capricious, uh, self-indulgent, irritable, morally ignoble thing that human anger so often is. It is instead a right and necessary reaction to objective moral evil. I I think if we're honest, a lot of our anger fits that description, self-indulgent and irritable. You know, often, man, we don't want to admit it, but petty. Uh, Often it's to do with our wounded egos, not justice. God's anger is far more parent-like like the love that a parent has for his children, like the, the anger you as a parent would have towards somebody who abused your kid or, or sold drugs to your teen. That's what God's anger is like. It, it's, it's a right and necessary reaction to evil. Our, our anger, on the other hand, is often not very just. It, it's often disproportionate to the offense. 
It often looks like revenge. Someone hurts me, and I want to really hurt them back. It's like this scene from Little Women, that the, the latest version that's been out, and there's just some amazing scenes in that film, and there's a, fil- a scene where the one sister burns up the, the other sister's you know, manuscript that she's been writing, and she says, I knew, as she confesses it, she says, I knew you valued this thing, and I knew it would hurt you. I wanted to hurt you so bad. You hurt me, I want to hurt you back. We've said this before, but the Old Testament command, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was just way ahead of its time. Comer says, the natural tendency when somebody gives you a black eye is you want to give them two black eyes. We say we want justice, but usually, what do we want? We want revenge. Think of the popularity of revenge films like John Wick. You know, somebody kills his puppy and he goes on a rampage killing hundreds, it seems. Wipes out everybody. And we love those revenge stories. We're cheering for the Avenger. God's anger is not like that. It's, it's just the punishment is right. It's appropriate. It, it fits the crime. My, my anger is so often reactionary and disproportionate. It's usually not slow or patient. It's in a hurry. It's rushed. Whereas God's anger, you could say, is, is unhurried. It's patient. He's slow to anger. He does get angry. He, He does feel deeply and passionately, but his baseline characteristic is grace and compassion. Let me give you an example from the Old Testament. It's a story where Exodus 34 is quoted. Back to Nineveh again. Angel mentioned Nineveh last week. Nineveh being the capital city of Assyria, which at the time of Jonah, that prophet we read about, it was an incredibly oppressive and violent regime. And and Yahweh sends Jonah to Nineveh to warn them of of his anger and coming judgment. And amazingly, the people of Nineveh, like, repent and turn to God. And, And then what does God do? God repents. He changes his mind, and he spares the city. It's It's remarkable. Now jump ahead 150 years, Nineveh is on the scene again with another prophet of God. This time it's Nahum. We, we know less about him. But Nahum is once again prophesying against Nineveh on behalf of God because they've retur- re- returned to their evil ways. They have just conquered 10 of Israel's 12 tribes and those that they didn't outright slaughter, and they slaughtered a lot, They took into slavery and oppressed brutally. It's just an awful story. And Yahweh's patience runs out. And and Nahum writes this judgment to them. The Lord, Yahweh, is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord, Yahweh, is slow to anger but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. You notice how that last bit was quoting Exodus 34, 6 and 7? And what's remarkable about this is Exodus 34 is quoted twice in relation to Nineveh. First, when Yahweh spares the city after Jonah's warning, and 
Jonah complains about what? About God's compassion and grace. I knew you were compassionate, God. What a complaint, huh? And then Exodus 34 is, is quoted again by Nahum at this point where Yahweh has finally had enough. John Mark Comer describes it this way. He says, Yahweh is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger. That's his nature. That is how he's wired. But there comes a time when God says, enough is enough. No more violence, no more injustice, no more killing and raping and stealing and enslaving. I've had it with evil, you're done. And historians tell us that they were done, that that the army of Babylon comes in and invades and they literally wipe the city of Nineveh off the map. Now, this leads us to the question, when Yahweh, who is slow to anger, finally loses his cool, what does his anger look like? How does it get expressed? Here I was really helped by how John Mark Comer plots Yahweh's anger along four axis points present and future, and then active and passive. Present, future, active, passive. God, God's present anger is when he deals with evil now, this side of judgment day. You know, this is what he did with Nineveh. That their judgment isn't put off to, to some future day down the road of reckoning. He steps in and puts a stop to it right then and there. By the way, this kind of punishment or, or discipline of God is extremely rare. It doesn't happen very often. Yahweh's future anger is when he deals with evil later. What the biblical writers came to call the day of Yahweh. This would be the day when Yahweh would, would do right. He'd, he'd bring justice and all the wrong that had ever been done would be undone. Now we hear judgment day and uh, it doesn't really sound good to our ears. Thank you, Terminator movies, for that. But, but for the biblical writers, as well as J Jesus, the judgment day, the day of this future day of Yahweh is a bad thing or a good thing, depending on how you stand with God. If you're on the right path with God, you, you can't wait for judgment day. If, if you're an oppressed people, you can't wait. You're especially counting on this future day of reckoning where God will, will, will make your, take, care, take on your injustice. But if you're not in the right, if you are the oppressor or, or you refuse God and his mercy or, or his way of life, that day of judgment ought to be a scary reality. As someone once said, you do not want to be on the wrong side of God. He is God, and he will eventually deal with all that is wrong with the world. So in terms of God's judgment, there's present and future. Then there's active and passive. Active anger is when God acts directly to stop evil. In the Old Testament, I think of the priest Uzzah, uh, that example. We, we read about him in, in 2 Samuel, and he... he He's been extremely careless with the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, this conduit of God's presence on earth. And, and in his casual treatment of it, we read in verse 7, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the Ark of God. Bam, on the spot, judgment, done. 
And it's not just an Old Testament deal. You got to just read Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira, this famous romantic couple (laughs) who lie about selling their property and giving all the proceeds to the poor. And in their lie, they drop dead on the spot right before the church fathers. Now, these uh, kind of stories get a a lot of playtime, but there's not a lot of examples of these in Scripture. There just aren't. Hardly any. Most of the time, it is not zap judgment from God. Thank you, God. People have backed away from me sometimes with the irreverent things I've said, and I'm grateful that God is merciful and patient. But most of the time, it's passive wrath that we see from God. John Mark Comer just defines passive wrath this way. Passive wrath, passive wrath is when God does not act, and that's the judgment. And this is how Yahweh usually deals with evil. He, he goes on to give the example how in Scripture, God's judgment often looks like an invading army, you know, like Babylon coming to destroy Nineveh or, or decades later to destroy Jerusalem. And here's the thing. Think about this. Babylon is already this emerging world power, and they would have gone to war against Nineveh and Israel anyway. All God had to do was step back and remove his protection. So what does this look like more personally? God's passive wrath is when he doesn't, you know, act to keep us from evil. It's really like that parable that Angel alluded to last week of Jesus the, the parable of the prodigal son. You know, remember the father in that story? Um, he allows his wayward, rebellious son to squander his life away in a far-off land. And he doesn't stop him. He just lets him go. And he lets him walk down this, this self-destructive path. Now, now, I want you not to forget the end of the story. God's what is he doing? The father is, is waiting on the porch, anxiously scanning the skyline, waiting for his rebellious son to come home. And when he does, he throws out the welcome mat. But friends, there are, there are times when, when God stands back and he lets us get what we want. He takes away his hand of blessing and his, his covering over our life. And he steps back and says, Okay, you can have it your way. If that's what you want, that's what you get. <laughs> You're on your own with that. And so Nineveh is destroyed by Babylon or a person's life is wrecked by drugs or a marriage is destroyed by an affair or a cheater gets kicked out of school or loses their job. You know, we... We think that when someone gets caught in some kind of sin, that this is God's judgment. It's not. That's God's mercy. God's anger or judgment is when we get away with something. And then then the kind of warping and twisting and deforming that that does to our lives and our soul. A person caught in an affair, that's, that's not God's judgment. That's mercy. Getting away with it and what that does to you is, is judgment. Here's the deal, just to summarize. Most of God's judgment is, is either present passive or future active. 
As John Mark Homer says, one day God will, will act decisively to put an end to evil forever, but in the meantime, God's way of dealing with sin is usually to step back and let it run itself into the ground. It turns out that sin is its own punishment and obedience is its own reward. Look at Nineveh as an example. Yahweh waited 150 years before he gave Nineveh up. He gave, he gave Nineveh chance after chance and warning after warning. Why? Because he's slow to anger and he's long of nose. He's, he's patient. And, 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 and when God, Yahweh gets angry, you gotta know it's actually because he is truly compassionate and gracious. He's not prepared to let evil have its way forever. You know, someone once said that the opposite of, of love is, is hate. It's not hate. It's actually indifference. And, and here's the thing. God's love is what leads him to get angry. When, when you think about it, love is what often leads us to get angry. We get angry about things we deeply care about. I mean, this week, there's been a lot of angry people here in Canada and south of the border, right? We're passionate about these things. We care deeply about them. For, for me, the most angry I think I was ever at one of my sons was when, as a young boy, as five years old, he took a screwdriver and put it into an electric socket, and there was a mini explosion that, that freaked him out and blackened his hands and scared the living daylights out of me, and he's never seen me so angry because I was so scared. By the way, he never did that again. Never again. <laughs> but this is the kind of thing we see in God. His anger is actually not like a raging dad like I was. His anger is patient and just. It, it comes out of his love. The kind of anger that comes from a father who cares so deeply about his kids. Then there's Jesus. You know, I, I think we're tempted, like many are, to think that, that God getting angry is all Old Testament, right? Jesus comes, and, and I think people often think his main message is simply being God believes in you, and he loves you, and he wants you to be happy. All of that is true, by the way. But that was not his main message. His primary message was the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. In other words, repent means turn away from the wrong and turn towards the right. And there's no question that, that Jesus demonstrated so completely the compassion and, and grace of Yahweh like the world had never seen. Sinners and broken people just flocked to him. But you gotta know, Jesus said more about the coming judgment of God than anyone else in the New Testament. It was one of his, his major themes. He was constantly warning the people who came to him, calling them to repent, to come over to his side in light of the coming day of Yahweh. Comer puts it this way. He says, the caricature of Yahweh as the angry, violent God of the Old Testament and Jesus, as Mr. Rogers with a beard, just doesn't add up. 
there's a classic example of Jesus getting angry. A lot of you would know it. Jesus flipping tables in the temple. And, and, and really the crux of the story is that for years, there was this grave injustice happening where, where people would come to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship and, and would bring offerings, uh, offerings that would be often live animals or coins that would buy animals. And, and money changers were there in the temple courts were taking advantage of the, the worshipers insisting that they change their money and, and, and they were especially, you know, taking advantage of the poor, charging them exorbitant rates to change their, their offerings. And Jesus comes as he had come year after year to the temple, and how does he respond? He gets steamed. I mean, really, really steamed. He, uh, he makes a, a whip. I just can imagine him braiding, sitting there, just patiently braiding this whip, and he used it to chase the money changers out of the temple, and as, as the animals are scattering and tables are getting turned, and he, he shouts at them, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. And in Jesus' actions and words, which happened when you think about it, after Jesus had been, a coming, like, been coming to the temple and seeing this injustice for years, countless times, uh, Jesus, who has Yahweh in the flesh, is slow to anger. He finally has had enough and he steps forward in his anger, turning over the tables of injustice. Now, this may be a very different Jesus than we're used to reading about or hearing about. It's not the Jesus I learned about in Sunday school. Jesus with fire in his eyes and a whip in his hand. <laughs> you know, folks, we have a Jesus who we know is loving, <laughs> but he still gets angry. And actually, it's because of, of Jesus' love that he is passionately opposed to, to evil in all its forms. And it means that we can look forward to the day where Jesus will return and there will be glorious justice. And before I, I leave this table-turning story for a moment, I, I want to say, folks, part of our calling is to walk in the ways of Jesus. And he calls us in our day to be aware of the injustices that are in our world, and we're meant and called to be table flippers. We're meant to join Jesus sometimes in his anger, and his enough is enough. I'm not gonna watch this anymore. And at some point, we, like Jesus, coolly, purposefully, deliberately, we start saying, no more. I'm not gonna put up with that anymore. And we, some of, you, some of you have said yes to that. Some of us need to say yes to that, to, to join Jesus in his table-flipping ministry. Amen? Man, we've covered a lot of ground this morning, and I wish we could just keep going for the rest of the day. I feel like there's so much here, and I want to just wrap it up with a couple of thoughts. Uh, I want to ask where you're at this morning. Maybe this morning you need to hear that Yahweh, that, that our God, is slow to anger. Maybe that's the message you need to hear. Maybe you grew up in a really conservative or a very religious home, and, and you somehow got the message that, that God was easily angered, ready to jump on every infraction. 
You know, that's, that was part of my experience growing up. And this morning, you needed to hear, as I needed to hear, that God's baseline attitude towards you is compassion and grace. He's patient with you. And he will be patient with you when you've messed up for the thousandth time. He's, he's like a loving parent who, who wants your best, and he actually sees your best. He sees what you're becoming, and he's truly slow to become angry with us. Maybe this morning, for you, you need to be reminded that God still gets angry. He, he sees the, the damage, uh, the deformity that comes when sin and brokenness grips our lives, what it does to our souls, what it does to, to our relationships and our families, our health. He, he doesn't wink at sin as if it's nothing. We, we live in a day where we kind of say, culturally, anything goes. You're okay, I'm okay. God doesn't say that. He feels strongly about the parts of us that are they're going down the wrong path, and he's opposed to it because he knows the damage that it can do. And our loving Father is not prepared to stand by idly, indefinitely, protecting us from walking down a destructive path. Sometimes he'll, he'll let us go there, like the son to the prodigal land, to, to the place where we experience sin's own judgment. But you got to know this, when he does allow us to experience the consequences of our bad behaviors and our bad attitudes, that's not judgment, that's mercy. you got to know this, God is, is not a permissive parent who just lets you do what you want, but he's also not an angry jerk of a dad. He's a good, good father, compassionate, gracious and slow to anger. And because God is like that, he invites us into that kind of life to become patient people, to be slow to anger ourselves, especially with regards to the, the people around us. You know, we don't have time to get real practical about this, but some of you remember the words of James. He said this, he said, everyone should be quick to listen, and slow to speak, and slow to become angry, he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Are you slow to anger? I, yeah, man, I still really struggle with this. I am a work in progress, you know? I suspect many of us are still struggle with this. Some of our anger, it, it might be quiet and simmering, more passive than anything. Some of our anger is just noisy and brash and loud. Often, our anger is, is not slow or selfless or just. And I, I think it's just such a healthy step, that even this morning, to be honest about that. You know, my name is Derwin, and I'm angry a lot of the time. But I know when it comes to my anger... I also have this hope. I am not where I once was. And part of the journey that we have as, as apprentices of Jesus is that he wants to lead us into wholeness and life 
in the deepest parts of where we live. And, and, and I've experienced him healing me and working on me in this. Uh, and, and I want to say that's where we're at here at Hillside. We, we actually believe that to become spiritually mature, we have to become emotionally mature and learn how to deal with our feelings in a healthy way, to, to become like the mighty who are not ruled by their emotions, right? And so we're gonna continue to, to push and pursue that path of emotional health, allowing Jesus to lead us into his way, his way that's different than the world's way, which is vengeful and quick to anger, his way which is just and patient and long-suffering and slow to get angry. Why don't we pray? Lord, this morning, uh, man, we're, we're, we're kind of unpacking another layer of who you are as you've revealed yourself as one who is slow to anger. And we're so grateful for that, God. Uh, man, the, the gods, uh, when we think of gods, we think of angry gods. You're not like that. You're not like them. You're so patient with creation. You're so patient with us. And uh, Lord, we're so grateful for the mercy and compassion that is your primary attitude towards us, Lord. And we wanna pray this morning, God, that you would um, help us to actually appropriately learn this way of Jesus for our own lives. That we would join you, God, in getting angry about the things you get angry about. I, I pray we would uh, grow if we're gonna grow impatient about anything, that we'd grow impatient about our own sin, that we'd get angry at what it does to us and what it does to our world. Pray you'd forgive us, Lord, and, and uh, Lord, continue to show us your, your abundant and abounding mercy in those places. God, I wanna pray that uh, we might also learn to, to treat others well and that you would um, do in us a work of healing and restoration, that our, our lives would become whole and healthy and right. Do that by your grace, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.